Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. A real treat as we have Cruzy McCalligan joining us for our midweek audio column. It's still midweek. It definitely Monday it's, felt really long. But, so. And also it's a short working week. Yeah, We've it got, is actually. Yeah, so, so it this is, is midweek. It's, it's a, definitely midweek, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, we are on Facebook Live as well, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3, and we have two cameras on Cruise. I'm just jumping between the two. Um, they, they both look great. You look great. Left and right side are both your good side. Thank you. I'm getting a lot of compliments for a rainy Tuesday. <laughs> yes. I appreciate it. I don't know which one to use now. Okay, I might use this one. Okay. Okay, go. All right. So Hi. what are we going to talk about today? Okay, we're talking about hair removal. Sure. Yes, we're talking about hair removal. Um, because it's fascinating and because I find it quite funny that um, we, as women, I'm going to say women, predominantly mm -hmm. um, walk around pretending um, in so many different ways that we don't have hair on our bodies. Do you know what I mean? That we don't have hair on our arms or under our arms or on our legs or anywhere else. And it's quite funny. And I wanted to talk a little bit about hair removal because, of course, it is an enormous industry. Um, the hair removal industry, I have, a, yeah, the, hair, the global hair removal product industry market is set to reach $1.7 billion by 2027. Wow. And amid the COVID-19 crisis, the global market for hair removal products estimated at a billion US dollars in the year 2020 is projected to reach a revised size of, um, again, it's like, it's, it's very, it's, it's, a huge industry and I want I was wondering is it really still growing because people have all been in lockdown and are you telling me that without a reason to people have still been keeping up their plucking and waxing and shaving routines I mean like could you be bothered and um, also for, for safety I wouldn't want to you know get so close to someone <laughs> oh no but I mean in your own home are people oh, like yes. are still are you bothered are you actually shaving your own legs if you're just by Cruise, yourself in I work your in radio apartment? I don't think I ever bothered I know right <laughs> we're the same no one can see anything here yeah. um but it's it's interesting, and I am—I I'm, I'm, would say I'm a—I'm a reasonably hairy person. I am genetically Caucasian and Hispanic, and evolutionarily, I have fuzz all over my body, <laughs> and I do. And as I've gotten older, it has multiplied tenfold, and I spend a large part of my of my day plucking at, at new guys that I'll wake up one morning and be like, "Hey, you're new, buddy. Hey, welcome to the team." So, like, it's 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 something I thought was quite a funny thing. But we have such a visceral. Um, negative reaction to body hair and I wanted to I was wondering why we do so I looked into it a little bit and it we have human beings have had a kind of millennia old quest for fuzz free skin and um, in ancient Egypt, for example, people relied on tools like seashell tweezers and pumice stones to keep their skin smooth. Um, while uh, the British in the 17th century, we're going to talk about this in a minute, used cat poo as a a depilatory of choice. Um, now, I've, I've got a whole bunch of interesting facts about hair removal here. So um, first, being her suit, which is hairy, in ancient Greek and Rome was considered like not not a good thing. You weren't, you weren't particularly elegant if you were. If you had lots of very little hair, it pretty much meant that you had heaps of cash. Okay, so wealthy women would use tweezers, stones, and kind of very primitive razors to remove all body hair, including pubic hair, which was considered unsightly. And that's why so many Greek statues depicting the ideal female figure are devoid of any kind of hair on the body. Um, and people said, oh, no, well, maybe the, the hair was painted on, but it's flaked off because, of course, we forget that all the Greek statues we see um, used to be painted, right? 
Um, now, the problem is that actually the statues of male have males have pubic hair carved in. So we know it was desirable for males, but it wasn't desirable for females. Um, if we skip ahead to Renaissance era, um, people used to create this um, this sort of DIY depilatory sort of thing where they would, there was a recipe in 1532 which involved mixing one pint of arsenic and an eighth of a pint of quicklime and then smearing it all over your body. So it's like toxic waste all over, all your, over body, your body, which naturally would make your hair disappear. As And it said, um, they used to say in the, in the little manual they wrote, when the, remove it when the skin feels hot and wash it quickly with water so your flesh doesn't come off so that was that was the extremes that people were going to in the 1500s of course we couldn't talk about hair removal without just touching on queen elizabeth i who removed most of the hair from her face so she even removed her eyebrows and she made this really in vogue to just take her eyebrows away which is hilarious because now like i'm so out of touch with beauty regimes and stuff noreen but i just heard about this thing called like brow lamination where people like Again, I don't know. I have ginger eyebrows, so I've never even bothered with them. But, you know, people like kind of spike up all the hair on their eyebrows to make them look bushier. So then um, bushy yeah. eyebrows are really trendy right now. Yeah. Whereas like, I think when we were teenagers, people would pluck them to oblivion, to like little thin little things, whatever. It's the fashion. But Queen Elizabeth completely removed hers. Um, but kept her body hair untouched. So it was just her face. And she was also in the habit of she would pluck the hairline around her forehead to make her face look longer. So they actually pushed their, they gave themselves a receding hairline to make their faces look longer and remove their eyebrows. So they had this really long forehead, which doesn't sound like something most people would try to do now, but they did at the time. And of course, everyone would um, copy this. Um, now there was a, in the mid 17th century, there was a recipe for taking hair away that suggested the following, get hard cat's dung, dry it, beat it to a powder and temper it with strong vinegar, then wash the place with the same, with the solution that, where you don't want hair to grow. But I was like, I think I'd rather have hair than be literally covered in, in cat, cat scat. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but apparently no, that, that different priorities in the 17th century. Um, the process became a little bit easier in the 1800s. People had um, different kinds of, again, different sort of um, depilatory creams and stuff like that. But of course, skin could be damaged if it was left on for too long. Basically, people just experimented with smearing toxic substances on the uh, on their bodies and, and finding out which didn't cause their skin to burn and fall off. Um, in, uh, in 1901, King Camp Gillett patented his first disposable razor for men. <gasps> Oh, Gillette. 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 Um, so 14 years later, he um, crafted a razor specifically for women, which was delicately titled Milady Decolette. Right. So it's amazing when you... he was a king. He was a king. What was he doing? <laughs> Inventing shavers and razors. Probably wasting quite a lot of time and <laughs> making quite a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but of course, it, it, there's a lot of... It's really interesting from like a feminist perspective um, that... The less clothes women were allowed to wear, the more they were expected to remove their body hair. So... In the 19, in 1915, sleeveless dresses became really fashionable, but because now you had exposed armpits, there was a societal pressure to remove this unstylish underarm hair that people hadn't seen before because people weren't wearing, weren't allowed to, heaven forbid, show your shoulders, right? Um, then Harper's Bazaar, um, in, in May of 1915, featured an advert of a young woman showing off her fuzz-free armpits, and the text read, Summer dress and modern dancing combined to make necessary the removal of objectionable hair. 
which I have a problem with because I'm a copywriter and it's a passive voice sentence. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, it's it's just like it's it's hilarious. So that's the thing of like as people start to expose more of themselves, they're supposed to be um you you actually you know like oh tidy up those bits. We didn't realize they were there or something like that. Um, of course, World War Two gave women the right to bare their legs because there was a wartime shortage of nylon, so they couldn't wear stockings. So they had to go bare legged more frequently, which led to another slew of new hair removal products. Um, including the woman's first electric razor, which came about in 1940. Now, this seems remarkable because it's it's after, it's World War II. I would think you had a lot of important stuff going on other than hair removal that you would have to put your energy into. Exactly, priorities. Priorities, you know. And and apparently um, women would actually draw stripes on the backs of their bare legs to give the appearance of stocking seams because it was, you know, they weren't wearing stockings. Mm. Um so that was kind of fascinating. And then, of course, we skip ahead a little bit to the bikini, um, which first appeared in the United States in about 1946. And this is when women began to tweeze and shave the hair outside their panty line as well. Um, and of course, so this, as I said, as history illustrates, the more um, the, the more clo- uh, clothes women were allowed to remove, the more hair they were also expected to remove. So the two kind of went hand in hand. Um and of course, in the 1960s, we start moving into the art of the wax. Um, and this method uh, really took off with that kind of idea of wax strips. There was early laser technology that people started to use, but this wasn't very refined. So you you'd have to be it. like really hate your hair to put yourself under a 1960s laser, oh. if we're being honest. Um, and then, of course, we couldn't talk about hair removal without talking about the Brazilian wax, oh, right? yes. So this has got a little bit of an interesting history as well. So in 1987, there were seven uh, siblings whose names began with the letter J who came from Brazil. They were Jocely, Janice, Janea, Joyce, Jurassi, Jasura, and Jadacia. And they went to the they went to New York City in 1994, um, in 1994, and they created this. Um, they brought this sort of South American Brazil kind of thing of. Um, and they sort of said in Brazil, waxing's part of our culture because bikinis are so small. So they brought this idea to the states with them. Um, and then they thought, you know, so it's, and then that kind of like started taking off. And of course, then this is like pop culture reference. Um, in 2000, do you remember the, um, the, the show Sex and the City? Yeah. So in, there was an episode in 2000, which was 20 years ago now. Oh my goodness. 20 years ago, Noreen. Oh, it feels oh, like, it feels, feels like, like yesterday. Yeah. Um, Eight years ago, but max. basically, um, so there's an episode where Carrie Bradshaw oh, yeah. um gets the a Brazilian, Russian, yes, she gets lady. a Brazilian, a Brazilian wax, and this created this huge boom in clients wanting that service, even though the point of the script was that it was accidental or whatever it was. And so this became this thing where um people were, you know, there was this pop culture explosion of people wanting Brazilian, ra- um, Brazilian waxes. So that's kind of a. It's kind of an interesting thing in that in that idea. Is the Brazilian the one with the landing strip? Or? No, I think that's a landing strip. Oh, I think okay. Brazilian is, is, everything. is everything off. Oh, yeah. I heard that was the American. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe. Well, I mean, you're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I'm not down with the lingo even remotely. I'm. I'm reading from printed notes because I'm so out of touch. Okay. Um, but yeah, but it, it, it's quite interesting in that way that like we do have this sort of like cultural element and it's really interesting because i was reading a little bit about um about because it is so sexualized a hair removal and it's also such a we have we as 
attributes so much about masculinity and femininity to having hair or not having mm. hair. So here we are talking about hair removal, but it's just as it's probably just as impactful for for men who are just not particularly hairy and don't have hairy chests or don't grow a full bushy beard to feel like I wish I could have more hair or go for hair transplants. Yes, yes, exactly. Not, yeah. yeah, so you know what I mean. So on the one hand, you know, women were meant to look like we were squeezed out of a toothpaste tube, and then men are meant to look like the same toothpaste tube rolled on a fuzzy carpet. So it's like it's kind of an interesting idea in that way. But it's very interesting how marketing and sales and stuff has all been really, really close related to it. So there's a reason that women don't shave their faces. It has nothing to do with hair growing back thicker or anything like that. It's because pure- it doesn't. It doesn't, absolutely. It's that. purely it's purely because shaving has always been associated with masculine facial hair practices. It's just a marketing yeah. thing. And marketers were careful not to use this in their advertising because, heaven forbid, a woman is shaving like a man it would feel very masculine. It, it's like, it's all perception and gender, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. all that kind of, that kind of rubbish. Yeah. Um, and so they've encouraged women, um, to, you know, so that even though they're encouraging women to smooth themselves and shave their legs, um, razors were not marketed to women for facial hair removal. Instead, women with facial hair were offered to bleach, wax or dissolve the facial hair. Whereas you could quite rightly if you were a woman like me with a very small beard you could just you could just shave it you yeah. could just shave it and korean beauty stars do that all the time there are this little tweezers called the twinkles or twinkies and i know, really i know that and it's a single blade and you just you know very lightly uh, you can't see me on the facebook live but you just very lightly you just kind of take burns. it off the, yeah. take the peach fuzz off your cheeks and it works beautifully it makes your it makes your cream and and your foundation glide on your face YouTube wow. this, yes. Wow, I- okay. Um, but it is interesting that there's we, we have like a real history of this. But the point is also we should probably think about, well, why did we have the hair in the first place? And there's lots of reasons we had the hair in the first place. It was to protect our bodies. Um, it was to... Um, to help you cool down Yes, to, to regulate temperature. Yeah, there was lots of reasons. It was for the warm. spread of pheromones. And of course, we are primates. And if you look at us compared to other primates, you'd think, wow, like we have a lot less hair than a chimpanzee. Um, but actually, we don't. We have about the same number of follicles. We just have very, very much finer, finer hairs. So we have about 5 million hair follicles on our bodies, unless, you know, you've gone for intensive laser treatments, which I just don't think I could do. I just like the idea that if I wanted to, I could grow a topiary all over my body do you know what I, mean? I find like the idea of permanently removing everything a little bit much but i did each do to their own on, I, I did do that on my legs before my wedding best investment ever because i was shaving <laughs> all the time and it just created these like little black spots on my my hair did grow back so thick and, it was, and now you and now you have lovely smooth legs all the time not really it grew, <laughs> <laughs> it grew back a lot i'll show you my knees later. oh yeah sure i look forward to seeing your lower leg after the segment um but but it is but they, they do have an idea about the course of human evolution and they say that human um human shed are thicker uh, coats because they became more of a burden than an asset. So, of course, uh, parasites, it's easier for a parasite to live in a very furry coat than it is without one, right? They also say that probably um, some of early man was kind of an aqueous water-dwelling ape, and so less fur was better suited to a water environment. Um, and that they say that... That's um, a Nick sci-fi character. Yeah, a water totally. A water-dwelling ape. A water-dwelling ape. Um, others point to the idea of the fact that we're bipedalism. We have bipedalism, so we walk on two feet, which meant that we had less of our bodies exposed to direct sunlight. So we didn't really need the fur for the fur, the hair for sun protection. So there's like quite a few reasons. But, you know... Um, 
Our pal Charles Darwin has a little bit to answer for because they say that in one of his early books, he wrote a little bit about how... um, Let me see if I can find this. He wrote a little bit about how... um, uh, you know, it was it was what kind of set us aside from from primitive from primitive creatures, and so therefore he kind of created this sort of de facto thing of well, if you're not civilized enough to remove your hair, then you've probably got you know like you're you're just you're no better than an animal kind of thing. So you know, like just don't read into your notebooks his notebooks too much sometimes, like all for evolution, but um, you know, like also all for feminism and personal choice. Um, so yeah, so it, it's quite interesting in in that way. Um, so yeah, so of course, um, today people are obsessed with hair removal products, but we're also swinging back the other way. It's interesting. There was a little bit of a resurgence in the sixties and seventies, the kind of hippie, hippie movement of being like hair, 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 including the musical. Um, and then of course the by the time the eighties came round, it was very much like I mean there is you know like if you can imagine Pamela Anderson's shape of her swimsuit in Baywatch being the beauty standard of the eighties and nineties, then you think okay yeah I can see why she has no there's no hair on that body anywhere. Um, so it's it's quite interesting. I think it's a, it's totally a personal choice thing, but it is hilarious to think that we we attribute so much value to whether or not someone has hair on their bodies when there is just a biological reason we have hair on our bodies. We just we're just we're primates. We're just quite hairy. Um, and and again, if you don't have hair on your body, naturally or otherwise, that doesn't make you any less of a human being or any less attractive either. So yeah, but it's quite interesting. Hey. Do you, we have a couple of minutes before the 2.30 news. Any hairy quotes? That you know, you like I couldn't to- find any. The only thing you just find is stuff from the Kardashians. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And like Kim Kardashian saying, oh, I'm Armenian. So I've had laser for absolutely everything and there's no hair on my body. And I'm like, well, that's a bit unfair to all Armenians, <laughs> Kim. So yeah, so I actually don't really want to say any quotes about um, hair removal because I don't think it's important to talk about um, promoting smoothness if you do not want to be smooth. Exactly. All about <laughs> you don't have to be. You can be smooth and hairy. In you fact, be, that- yes, totally. You can be very fur is soft. <laughs> Oh, yes. Cruz, thank you so much for your sharing this week. And I look forward to uh, more sharing from you next Wednesday. Thank you very much indeed. No problem. And uh, we'll return to, uh, uh, we'll have Andrew Dambina for this week's uh, Tuesday report after the 2.30 news. Andrew will be talking about a world of food and drink happenings uh, on today's one two three show. And also we'll be back with uh, Sadie Kay and uh, with her uh, monthly humor column called Sharp Pains. And this month she has penned a column called Ghosts. So uh, we'll return to that. And of course, you can get in touch with us on the Facebook page as well. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3.